Welcome to the Any Given Chance podcast. Stories about passion and sacrifice. What actually goes on behind the scenes in the consistent chase of everything. We're going to bring you some untold stories. Some of people you know, some of people you don't. These stories that we bring on with our guests are nothing short of inspiring and will get you out there chasing your own goals as well. Join me, your host, 3AM365, Matty Menon, as we dive into these incredible stories. And of course, as the podcast grows, so do we together. So stick with us from the start, hit that like and share, subscribe button, get your family and friends involved, and we'll see where we are in 100 podcasts. No days off, no excuses. thank this man enough for coming and speaking to me about this subject. Very hard-hitting. Jimmy Lapo hit rock bottom, drugs and alcohol abuse his whole life, managed to check himself into rehab. We dive into that story. He's come out the other side, chosen to walk the better path, and the man has just taken home the WBL Lightweight Masters Championship. So many highs and lows in Jimmy's life, and he speaks about all of them. Once again, I can't thank him enough. This subject very much so gets swept under the rug, so it was great for him to open up and share his story. I hope you guys take something out of it as much as I did, and we continue to grow and grow this channel as well. All right. Woo. Welcome. Jimmy Lafay. Hey, buddy. My man. Any given chance. As you know, stories about passion, sacrifice, what goes on behind the scenes, mate. I can't wait to have you on because your story, for me, is just pure strength towards the end of it. As we go jump into this podcast, you know, your journey, it's a dark one. There's some roads and some, you know, tough stuff we're going to be talking about. And I thank you very much for for, for doing it because this stuff needs to be heard. A lot of us bury it and and continue down this path. You are able to see it, acknowledge it, and change it, which for me is so motivating in itself. And, um, you know, me and you go back and forth even with our training and boxing and whatnot. But, um, mate, I just love following your story because it gets me out of bed every day. Awesome. You know what I mean? So uh, I'll hand the mic over to you. Just tell them quickly what we have in front of us here. So oh, that's the bad boy there. That's uh, the WBL, Australian light heavyweight title um, that we won two weeks ago here on, this, uh, on the Gold Coast. So it's um, something we're working towards um, with my team behind me. So um, yeah. And they didn't spare a single cent on the belt. I'm telling you, that is fucking sick. Look, I'll just put it out there for anyone who's watching at home. If you're listening, mate, that's legit. And I suppose it's legit because, mate, Masters title, well done. Congratulations, mate. Um, And you have done a lot of work because through even when we started training together after COVID, um, mate, you come back big. (laughs) You come back big. Everyone's the same thing, listening at home. Jimmy's covered in tats, arms, tats. And I remember that one photo that you put up on your social media and there's you now fighting weight and the other one is the tattoos are just stretched out here like that. Yeah. It's hard to get to where I need to be with yeah. commitment. So. Yeah. So, mate, we'll jump into your story. We'll touch base on it in the beginning and it is a dark road, you know, not so much dark, but it, it was a down the wrong path and, you know, you've had a turbulent time with uh, it affecting Know, and when I say it, we're talking about um, you know just partying, drugs, drugs, uh, drugs, drugs more drugs, yeah. drugs and alcohol. Something that uh, you know I've 
dealt with as well. And you like we'll build into a point where you made that change. So we'll give the listeners at home the whole story coming into it, and then we'll branch off into the back end into the scene. So let's go back to when you were young. I mean, you're an advocate of sport. Sport was in your life all through your juniors. You played a rugby league and um, not in the Surf Lifesaving Club as well. So uh, let's just touch base on there. You oh, said you're playing the, the Matthew... Matthews Cup, under 15s, uh, yep. for uh, St George. Uh, played local club footy, uh, the Solomon Shire of Cronulla, um, hence my lovely Sharpies, mate. So <laughs> sport's been a big part of my life. It's um, all I've ever known, you know. It's just, I'm always through school. I wasn't interested in, in learning. Um, if I had something to do with sport, I was there, swimming, surf, life-saving, rugby league, everything. Um, through my early teens, you know, I had all these injuries um, that... I didn't know how to deal with with that at that age group, um, with not having the tools under the belt to, to deal with it. So yeah. I dealt with it um, the other way I knew, with um, surrounding myself with bad people and not so much bad people, I shouldn't say that, um, but bad choices um, yeah. where it was easier just to, to numb the pain with, with pot and alcohol at that stage. Um, yeah. Every day was sort of wake and bake and yeah. go off to school. And, so that was back in the 90s too. And um, I mean, drugs have changed immensely since the 90s but you know when you get in a group of friends like that no one sort of pulls you out do you because everyone goes oh yeah okay yeah. oh yeah okay and if you surround yourself with those sort of people it's um you just stay in it don't yeah, you? I think you thought it was cool back in those days mate. yeah you know you're different no punk rock and bongs and yeah, yeah so spider bait yeah punk rock bands and that mate so it's, um, that's all over new back in them days is, and it just um it took a hold of me. It really took a hold of my life and the choices that I made and it took me away from sport in general. Um, I started hiding behind closed doors with it because I didn't want people to know what I was up to. Um, I had that stigma of embarrassing behind it. Mm. So, yeah, that was my life for 20-odd years, mate. It, um, it really controlled me. It really took a hold of my life mm. um, and to look where I am now. It's um, totally been all well worth it. So through that period, so basically... After you're young, you sort of lost, you got into the party scene. Was that like, you're still speaking about hiding there behind closed doors, but I guess with drugs, you'd come out on the weekend. Oh, yeah. And it'd be, you know, lair of the party, let's go, happy that, and then during the week, behind closed doors and, and, and hiding and whatnot. And people don't get to know you or get to see that side of you. It's all on show out there while you're riding that high. Isn't that right? So what was the progression of this? You know, say it started out young, with alcohol, led into, you know, smoking weed. What, what was the progression through your 20s to your 30s? Like, uh, what went, happened there? I went downhill pretty fast after that, you know. I um, started selling ecstasy to, and partying, and it just, I was the life of the party, supplying all my friends, and everybody wanted to be around me because I had drugs. So mm. it, um, it just started escalating from one thing to another. And Monday to Friday, I was smoking pot behind closed doors, and come weekend, I was out some few hundred pills to, to cover my addiction and, um, and party with the boys to feel like I needed to be that centre of attention. Mm. So as I was carrying a lot of ego um, around being accepted. Yeah. So yeah, I suppose the guy who's given it out as well, you're in a position of power and there's a lot of fake people, a lot of fake friends and a lot of people who, you know, as soon as you make a change, that'll disappear. But, um, yeah, as we were speaking about it, um, so that was like sort of through your twenties. You also touched base before the podcast before we started this was you also did skydiving. Yeah, mate. Um, my father passed away. 
try to mask that pain and everything. So I went out to do a skydiving course. Um, we gave up the rental uh, just a few days before he passed away, so we didn't really have anywhere to live. We found out we could live on the drop zone, so I was fortunate to have a bit of money behind me and everything and decided to, to live on the drop zone uh, with my family and, and skydive every day. Um, it was my escape from reality. Um, whilst he was passing, you know, I was kind of off the rails a bit with, with ice. Um, yeah. And I thought that was going to help me get away with it, get away from the ice and move somewhere else and everything, but that just me out there, the problems and everything. Well, mate, you... Ice is a massive, huge shot of dopamine. That's why it's so addictive. <laughs> Skydive, it's got to be up there as well, doesn't it? It's what you're chasing, I guess. Yeah, so. that, the combination together um, definitely was life-threatening. Um, um, I didn't have a care in the world. I didn't care about my life. I, I didn't care what happened tomorrow or what happened while I was doing it. And Yeah, it just got um, out of control, mate. I was jumping out of planes with people high. And, um, I was doing my coaching courses and, and had people with me um, that I was responsible for their life by I was off my face yeah, right so, what's the obviously skydiving they're risk takers mate what's that industry like is there a lot of people like that throughout it there is um, there is a lot of adrenaline junkies um, where I was living out on a drop zone people would come out for the weekend for their escape from the 9 to 5 uh, so it was a weekend away for them but for me it was my everyday life and you felt like you had to manage these people and help them want to get into the sport so it was a lot of babysitting and, and just being a part of the party you wanted to hang around the sport and grow the sport so you'd do whatever they wanted to do in a way and one was jump all day and party oh, all night right. and like you said that's that weekend so when you moved out to the drop zone to get away from it it was just basically a guaranteed party every weekend oh, yeah, party every day. because everyone would come from work yeah. out to see you and want to let off steam and get that high and the adrenaline and then they would jump all day like you said and then they'd go let's go again let's keep partying in the night so yeah, yeah, so at that stage you said you had a family how many did you have then um, i just had my two girls uh, my wife was pregnant uh, partner was pregnant at the time so yeah. we realized we couldn't live on the drop zone forever um so we we bought we got 40 acres out there yeah um moved the whole family out there and thought things were going to be okay and it just um just that vicious circle, just you can't yeah. move away from someone without dealing with the core root problem. So yeah. it's a, a pass from the past now, it's all behind me, but it's um, definitely some dark days there, mate. I've got yeah. my blessings every day that I'm here that I'm still alive. Um, yeah. There's some times there that probably could have gone the wrong way. I was definitely being looked after by the man upstairs. Yeah. So Yeah, it's a very hard thing to admit and people don't understand like how close that can take you as well like there is legitimately one decision when you get down to that rock bottom point and it's you know do i turn left or do i turn right and come home and mate um well i think i've spoke about this on the podcast before and it's a very hard conversation that you've got to have with yourself as well so how long did it take you to realize that this was not fucking working this it wasn't uh talking to my relationship was really on struggle street you know my partner and i were, were both as toxic as each other i couldn't do it without her with her support and vice versa mm. she couldn't do it we just we we're both too far gone it was just a vicious cycle and it was unfortunate that the kids had to see it all they're only quite young at that stage but mm. time had to had to change so it took that pear shape um for me to realize that i couldn't take this into another relationship or most importantly my kids see see this so change needed to happen so 
took until about August 2017, so actually just before that, that I realised that I had to let my pride and my ego down um, and go get help, um, yeah. I was, that I was powerless over it. And, um, and that was just after your old boy passed, or was it? Uh, that was probably about 12 months after my old boy passed. So you, um, so you so realised that and yeah, just kept going? Kept going, kept going, mate. I was trying to numb the pain with drugs and alcohol, I didn't want to deal with it fact that my dad had passed he was my best mate he yeah. was always there taking me to sport and yeah. without him with his influences sport wouldn't have been in my life yeah um, he was my coach as a young fellow playing soccer and stuff like that he was my biggest influence in sport and so i owed it to him really paid it to myself owed it to my mom to my kids that something needed to change but it just um i couldn't keep going the way it was going i would have ended up behind bars um, yeah or dead yeah. yeah, the two absolute outcomes that would have come from it. So, do you remember the moment? Do you remember the single moment that it was like, no, I can't do this anymore? Hey, I do. Um, I was sitting in the, in the watch house at Ipswich. Um, I've just been busted with drugs um, and I prayed for help. Prayed yeah. that things would, would change if I was given another chance. Um, just wanted that opportunity. Yeah, and I got that opportunity. So, I got out. Um, in a few days, I made contact with a rehab place um, where I need to go detox first for seven days. I wouldn't take anyone into rehab that was still going to be a um, problem to somebody else in rehab that had already gone so yeah. far through the program. So they wanted to make sure you're clean and yeah. had that bit of downtime. So I did that at the Royal Brisbane Women's Hospital um, in a detox clinic there and um, yeah, come out and realised that I felt great after five days, but what was going to happen in a few days and yeah. there was that likely chance that someone come around or get a phone call or there was a trigger there that yeah. I was, still I was, a number in your yeah, phone or still yeah, something like that back on it wouldn't see me for five days so before we just brush over that like a lot of people can't make that decision they don't go you know what I mean um, how did you get into that how did you find that place to go to what was the process uh, actually? I went to the, well I moved back down to the Gold Coast from out to Woolwa where I was living um, and I was fortunate to live with my mum, had her all her support, she's come from a medical background of nursing and everything so she sort of, we had a deep conversation of what needed to happen um, because she couldn't keep seeing me the way I was or my daughter that I have full custody with, um, she was with me and my other kids went with my ex so there was that splitting up of the family of the kids um, which was very difficult at the time so Yeah, I got engaged with um, the Palm Beach Community Centre and um, I had a, a great mentor there that um, gave me some options of things yeah. and helped me get into the Logan House uh, program, yeah. um, which was a six-month program. Um, so fortunate again that I had money behind me and, and my mum um, that was able to look after my daughter for that six months. Yeah. What does it cost to do this? Like, I'm not trying to deter anyone who's thinking about it, any listeners or, you know, if you are in this dark sort of thing I just want to know trying to get show the avenues that there yeah, is yeah you know? so I um, had to resign from my work um, that I was working went on a, a Centrelink pension yeah um, they took 65% of my fortnightly payments um, to cover food accommodation and the treatment of the program um, yeah. and still left me with enough money to pay my bills um, I was fortunate that some bills were able to go on, on hold on my phone and yeah, electricity. There was companies that just needed to see where I was going. That they were happy to put yeah, things on hold. So you get that help that people need. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise people won't do 
sensible backing behind yeah, it. That's to right. Yeah, that's right. To go do it. Because, so. yeah, if you get thrown in there and then everything else, you come out and everything else is a shitscape, that's not good. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. You, you come out, you feel... Six months has gone out the window if, you, if that's yeah. the case, you yeah. come out. And I think that's what holds a lot of people back is they are worried about what happens when they come yeah, out. Yeah, I can't stop. Society yeah. keeps rolling, keeps yeah. going. And I think as much as COVID's terrible shit, you know, a lot of people lost business and that it showed a lot of people that you can stop and, you know, the world keeps spinning. 100% as well. So what was those first five days like? Like coming into it, what, I mean, it must have been, you're walking in there, you don't know what's going to happen. You're looking around, you're seeing all these other people look at you, you know. What's your emotions and what's your feelings going through there? I was scared. I was scared shitless, mate, yeah. to be honest. I didn't know what the outcome was going to be, um, how long it was going to last. I've never tried to give up mine. Yeah. 20 years of smoking, I've never once tried to give it up. I maybe got a day or two, but I just, I was addicted, mate. That, yeah. It was the pot that was over the years the worst, the drums would come and go. That yeah. I was able to sort of turn it off and on sort of thing. Um, you know, it's... Like the uppers. Yeah, the uppers like, and yeah, everything. Yeah. And then and when it got to the stage, of, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, not sleeping, and then sleep for two days, and then back up for five days. It just, mm. it was just that vicious circle. And that, it's like putting the seatbelt on in the car. You, you've done it before you even realise why you've done it. Yeah, right. You know, you, yeah. You're a bomb that burned it in before you even realise yeah. why I've done it. You just, you get into that mode of stopping at the bottle up becomes that daily ritual of, put the seatbelt on in the car you've done it before you ever realised mate I can 100% resonate with that because that's what I was doing when I you know check, lost my building company had to start from scratch again I was just on the way home bottle of carton drink because I was shitty at the world yeah. where I was and you know what the last 15 years of my life it felt like it was gone come home after a 14 hour day sleep get up for drive a up that highway, go to work, 3.30, 4 o'clock, have a bottle of, get a carton, sit in traffic on the way home and drink it the whole way home. Mate, and... Um, Groundhog Day. Mate, right? it's just, once you get in that, you don't realise, you think that's your life. You think that is who I am, that is what I need to survive, I enjoy this, it makes me feel good because, it, like we're speaking about it, masks everything else that you're not dealing with and... Uh, yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. It just sits there inside you, doesn't it? it just, yeah, it's, um, yeah. It's, it's the devil. And, and that's where rehab is really good for me. Um, you get to the core root of your problems, why you want to get up yeah. in the afternoon or come home from work and have a drink and everything. It's, it was a great program. Without that, man, I wouldn't be here without the rehab. What do you reckon pot and weed did to you? What, what, do you, what do you reckon was the major thing? that it, like, Did it make you paranoid? Did it, did it make you non-social? What do you think was the worst part of it? It's probably a bit hard to say, but I actually still did my responsibilities being stoned and I couldn't do anything until I was stoned. Yeah, right. So it was the opposite. the opposite for me. So, yeah, I got on with what I needed to do. I'd go to work. I'd, I'd do what I needed to do, but I couldn't do it until I had that wake and bake. So yeah, right. Obviously, the so you were, you, you were living... But you weren't recording it, I guess. You weren't really being Jimmy. Mate, I wasn't you, you, no, no, you just going through the motions and that was life and that's what you needed to function to get through your day. But you spoke about being present. You weren't there. No, the yeah. lights were on, but nobody had. Yeah. That's what my ex used to say. It was just, why are you even, you, why are you even here? You're here, but you're not here. 
Yeah, right. So, yeah, the lights definitely weren't on, man. And, uh, I was just going through the motions and getting through each day. And there was not much excuse for the pipe um, that I thought until I actually went to rehab. So yeah. I worked on them core roots of, of why I needed to use each day and to feel like I wasn't worthy and escape that reality. Because mm. so, there are a lot of people out there who have self-control who do it once <laughs> every six months or can enjoy that or do a drink there's 10 times more who don't have a stop button yeah. and um, I'm assuming that was you it yeah. was then um, but I've learned control now like I stayed sober for three years yeah um, when I went to rehab I only went there for drugs and alcohol I didn't think the alcohol was a bigger problem mm. um, but I had to stop it all those two coincide yeah, with each other. Goes inside. If yeah. you have a drink, oh maybe you can have a few bottles. Or yeah, something. yeah. So I had to stop everything. Um, yeah, I don't have a drink now, but it's like you say, I've got that control. Got that one. I can have a have a few drinks and turn it off. Yeah. Um, especially when I'm in fight camp. Um, yeah. It's all business with with training and everything, and it's that addictive personality I've got. It's it's either all on or all off. That's right. Well, you can see that with your training, and we'll get into that, but. Um, so after the yeah, that scared shitless walking into rehab, what sort of steps was it over six months? What do they do in there? Like and, um, over the six months, the first few weeks is um, just let you settle in. The food was amazing. Um, hence why I put on a bit more weight. Then. I've always gone up and down with my weight. Um, you, they get you back into a normal routine of daily responsibilities. Morning would be um, like a check in in a group circle. We'd all go around check in on each other, keep each other accountable. Uh, you'd have daily jobs. Um, I was on the ground, so something I enjoyed doing. Mm. So I was out on the on the track or leading a little team in there of, of what they need to do for their daily responsibilities. Eat food, then in the afternoon have a group sessions. Um, usually in a big group, uh, they had a psychologist would come in and run a bit of life coaching stuff, um, work on relationships, anger, um, just just the day-to-day lifestyle sort of stuff. So, and then they get you going into, you know, you get um, weekend visits every two weeks that your family can all come up for the day or whatever. Yeah. And my mum would bring my, my daughter up for me, which was which was great because without that, I, I really don't think I would have got through the program the if dri- I didn't have that help. Yeah, the driving motivation. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, those little breakups there. So they basically just chipped away at it, yeah. just day by day little step in front and I, well, I speak about this all the time about making progress everyone's always rush rush now now we're such a fast food sort of society um we need everything now in four weeks and eight weeks over this it was just like day let's work on this yeah well, there was uh, three three phases to um to graduating yeah um, so you'd start in like a pop phase um then you go into the next stage and the third stage was the nitty-gritty stuff you had to write essays and really dig deep of generally it's childhood tra- trauma or something for, mm. for a lot of people that's happened to them especially for me at my age I didn't have the tools to be able to deal with it I thought it was okay and I, I just hid behind that and didn't want to share it to anybody I was always afraid what others would think of me because of this certain situation that happened to me and mm. I had to write a big essay on it and, and help me deal with it and bring everything to light and I'll show you random strangers pretty much that I've been in the program with for a few months and mm. I felt comfortable talking to them even though because they were all there for similar reasons you yeah. know? it's not some random bloke that's you know making millions of dollars and you feel like this junkie guy and you yeah. try to explain something to him it's we're all in the same boat we all want to 
the same outcome of to better our lives. So yeah, yeah, and it's like I did that fortnightly um, testing of things. We'd have random drug testing all the time. Um, they're very big on um, drugs in there. Of, you know, Valium or anything that's going to be like an opiate sort of thing. Oh, like, yeah. So no, I'm fully against, you know, I'm, I'll take right. Adderall if I have to, mate, but it's yeah. usually when I'm, I've got the man flu and I'm dying. But yeah. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, daily check-ins with a psychologist in there and just, mate, that's it, changed my life. Yeah. It really right. has without that. Um, but it started with my pride. Yeah. To let that pride down. Um, I should have gone 20 years ago, mate, but yeah. I didn't think I needed the help. Yeah. So I need realised I needed the help, then that's when things would change. Yeah, I do. And um, so you, you've got what a journey it must have been. Six whole months in there, you know, and like you said, only seen your daughter a few times every fortnight. Yeah. Um, I suppose that's a goal that you could look forward to doing. Graduation, how did you feel? Mate, I'm very proud. Have yeah. Have a mum bag. Closest mates there, they all come to support me. So they, they celebrate it. They, oh yeah, they come f- out. Yeah, yeah, for graduation day, they, yep. um, you get presented with your graduation certificate. Yep. Generally, do a speech. They have a, a bit of flashbacks on your journey in there. A bit of a, a video session. Um, yeah, you know, because there's always someone. Big brothers there watching, mate. Every move. You yeah, know, um, of you course. Can't drop a pin or fluff in there without anybody um, knowing <laughs> about it. So it's, um, it was either that or jail. Yeah. Jail was probably the next option if um, I kept going the way I was going. So, uh, mate, that might have kept you off the drugs or, or made it harder for you to get, but it just would have brought you out a worse person. 100%. Yeah, 100%. So, um, so from there, you're out, you've graduated. Where do we go from here? What happens? What, what sparks you to get back into boxing? Mate, it's, um, I, was, I was feeling empty. It was six months out of society. Just before the you graduate, they do start getting you back into society. You go out for a day visit and then a 48-hour visit and then okay. towards the end, he goes out for about four days straight and you'd go back so they build you back into society and help you make sure you have housing or work to go to. They weren't just going to throw you out on the street. Yeah, it wasn't like you graduated well done. Yeah, so, so, yeah, yeah, so, so there's steps put in place yeah, um, so, okay. to, to transfer them back into the society and everything. So yeah. I had to pass through all them steps and everything um, until they were happy to pretty much say, see you later, good luck with it. Um, yeah. And then even when I was finished, uh, once a week I'd go back there on a Friday to a group, um, we'd all just check in, see what was happening, you yeah. know, how people were struggling. A lot of people with the NA and AA, um, I tried it, but I felt it was living in the past too much. You know, the, You've dealt uh, with it. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. right, I'm moving on, I've, I've made peace with it. Let's go. Yeah. I've got a future to attack. So, you know, you go there and you hear people say, oh, I've been clean for 20 years and it may, not, it may work for them, it works for them, but to me, I, I wanted to leave the meetings triggered again. I thought, oh, this, is, this is bullshit. Yeah, I understand. I, yeah. I to, so, that, that didn't work for me. So, I needed an outlet. Um, always was good at sports. So, what better else to, to get into boxing? How old were you? Uh, 37. 37. 37, yeah. Yeah. That took up the sport yeah. of boxing. boxing. And where'd you walk into? Uh, I walked into Sanctum Forge. Uh, it's Paul Briggs's. Yep. Um, you know, I followed a bit of his journey of similar lifestyle, um, except, you know, he's achieved much more in the sport than I might even dream of. Yeah. Um, and, mate, he was great for me. He kept me really accountable. Uh, he's a bit of a transformational gym. Um, it was really served me well for where I needed to be. Um, yeah. I still had court stuff daily and pending. Um, 
so I did a 10 week contender course um, you get a fight at the end of it feel like a bit of a pro and get the whole schnizzle and gizzle so yeah the whole adrenaline of the first rush first uh, fight yeah once once that was over blinking and it's over I was addicted yeah that one fight I felt like this monster blade come and we'd become good brothers and that but mate it just it was just embedded in me yeah Um, and it was good for me it was what else what else was I going to do to fill my time besides being a parent mate and you you know you're a boxer and when you say you know you're a boxer you don't have to be a superstar and then you you know you just know you are because I've watched you fight and when you get hit you come forward and that's one of the key signs like you see people who don't want to be in there they get hit they go back you know what I mean what am I doing in here you on all the fights that I've watched you get a couple on you and then that's it Jimmy starts coming forward and getting into it and getting into it so I can see your love and passion mate you, you built for it you this is your sport, and I think you found your home, definitely. Definitely, yeah, mate. And that was the old me. I used to walk forward and used to think, you know, i got to take a few to, to give a few. But um, yeah. honestly, I've moved on from Paul Briggs's um, to Tommy Glover, and, mate, it's, that's been the best thing ever for me. Tactician Tommy. Two yeah. fights, two belts, you know. It's, yeah. um, he's been amazing with me. He's helped transform, transform my weight again. Um, he's believed in me. He's given me an opportunity, and... Yeah. Mate, it's this is what I do just to repay people like him. You know, it's um, he's, without him, it's I definitely wouldn't have any belt here, mate. That's for sure. Yeah, that's but, it. Um, so uh, you're you're in a Bridges training, um, mate. COVID hits. What what sort of training were you doing? Like, uh, <laughs> were you doing any? Were you doing any or? Uh, mate, we'd, um, my partner and I we just had twins. So yeah, right. Um, I was fortunate. My business grew during um COVID. Um. So I'd get home and ask what's for dinner and she'd be like, I don't fucking know, I've been looking after twins all day, why don't you do something? So I'm like, alright, it's kind of like 8 o'clock, KFC it is. COVID hit, KFC, twins. COVID, COVID and twins, mate, it was a um, prime recipe for disaster. Um, my wife, she's um, beautiful, she's amazing at what she does and being a mother. And mate, if she's birthed twins... Yeah, that's it. Done. Yeah. That's crazy. And to put up with me, mate. Yeah. Metal. So we got six kids at home, mate. So the twins are throwing them into the mix. Um, and COVID and her having to homeschool. Wow. There was no dinner on the table when I got home. No. So I was very disappointed, but I totally understand it. So, yeah, left it to me. And it was just fast food, mate. Pizza, KFC, whatever was easy and accessible. There's me. nothing good out there, is there? Yeah. Anything fast. There is nothing good. Like U Foods or what's the delivery service? Yeah, I'll get U Foods there. No, U Foods are yeah. all good, but no, I'm talking about um, Uber Eats. Yeah. You know, anything yeah. that's fast or out there, it might be one thing good, but everything else is terrible. They, they call it fast for a reason mm. because it's um, very accessible. And What'd you blow out to? 96 kilos. Oh, you're chasing me. Yeah. <laughs> 96 kilos, mate. And, um, I was back on the bourbons too. There was no need to, yep. to be not drinking. So I'd come home from work and worked hard. And so it was sugar, cake, sugar, pizza. Yeah. No training, mate. Just, you know, I work hard. My job's very physical, but yeah. I'm putting more fuel in than burning. So. Yeah, that's it. Calories in, calories yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so at this stage, once again, was there a point where you're going, hold on a second, I'm getting big here. What do I do? Mate, it wasn't until I couldn't fit in my clothes. Yeah, right. and, um, 
I've always had a fat pair and a skinny pair of clothes. Yeah. Um, and even they were starting to get too small. And I had to go to a funeral um, in Sydney and I, I couldn't fit in these jeans. And they were like nearly 30, oh, 38 inch. Yeah. I was like, this has got to change. And I was fortunate that COVID, the restrictions ended and I was able to, to get back into training and yeah. stuff like that. Otherwise, could have been hitting 100 kilos. So, so that's for you. When you train, you need to stop what you're doing and go to that gym. Yeah. There's no running at 3 a.m. That doesn't motivate no, no, you. that's not <laughs> You can have that. Yeah. So I'm it, just getting into a deep sleep then, I reckon. Yeah, you know, mate, yeah. Or yeah. we'll start calling you. Jimmy, wake yeah. up. You want to come? Fuck off, man. You so, um, put the phone on um, silent. On the silent yeah, one, yeah. Off, you're not coming, mate. Yeah. Leave me alone. Just in case, yeah, hey, just, yeah. phone bump yeah. to Jimmy on the way. So basically, gyms open back up. We're back into training. You walk back into Briggsies, and this is where we met, doing a few rounds, sparring. And I know you said your job's very physical, but how did you go about starting to drop the weight? Because you're down to, what are you now? Uh, down to 76. What was the fighter? Uh, well, I'm waiting at 77.7 for that. So you're still, you're still on the... Yeah, I'm still we're trying to get down the super middleweight now, mate. So yeah. I, I want to get the 75 kilos now, so, yeah. which is ideally for my weight, for my height. So. Yeah. so what do you do? What's your process? How do you maintain? Do you just work harder and then eat less? Or what's do you track? Do you get on the good foods? What sort of foods? No, it's a combination of it. Paul was really good for me um, with dieting and stuff. Um, he's into intimate fasting, so I got onto the intimate fasting. So during the day... I drink two litres of water for breakfast, water during the day, a cup of the afternoon before I go to boxing. It's a, a protein shake, a pre-workout. That's it. Then go to train and then come home and then I'll um, have my big meal. So I just eat one big meal a day. Yeah. yeah. Mate, it's that... a bit different on the weekends. It's a bit harder to to do um, if you're going out somewhere. But Monday to Friday, while well, I'm at work and then it's routine. It's so busy and everything. And your body just gets used to it. And when you're doing the intermediate fasting, um, no doubt your body would be kicking into uh, like a state of ketosis and those ketones once they release in your body or you're burning fat for fuel you notice you're not riding that roller coaster of carbohydrates or insulin levels and everything like that you're not feeling those hunger pains at all yeah. um, intermittent fasting I, I know many of people have done it and swear by it now and it gives you such good a reset in your body and all your gut it gives it time to create that bacteria. Yeah, I think it helps out. Tell with my body shape as well. Um, it promotes that human growth yeah. hormone as well. Yeah, yeah, sixteen times or don't quote me, anyone out there. But uh, <laughs> I think I no, I think it is up to sixteen times growth into your ninth or tenth hour. Jamie, look that up. We don't have a Jamie. I need a Jamie. I'm a Jamie. <laughs> I'm Jimmy Jamie. Yeah, Jamie. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, so intermediate fasting and just your one meal a day, and that gives you the energy. So what are you eating at nights? Um, at the moment, well, prior to my last fight, I'm, I'm getting these new foods. Uh, yeah. So it's fully calorie counting. Yeah, uh, so you know what you're getting in the box. Yeah. yeah. It, it took me a while, actually, to, to want to get under 80 kilos. Um, you know, when I went to Tommy, Tommy threw me a lifeline in you. I was training on my own. Um, when I left Briggs's, um, you know, it was, it was time to move on. Mm. No ended okay but um, I probably could have been a bit more um, transparent in um, my communication um, yeah. with things um, the way it ended was I wanted to fight um, I you know had some things going in my private life with family and stuff um, and it meant the world to me that I fought um, anytime it wasn't the right time for me and 
cancer. Um, so being an addict or having my own mind track mind, I, um, I decided to do it anyway. And yes. Had a good mate, Dees, and another lifelong mate, Brett, um, who's been around boxing, um, called me. Um, I was pulled out of the fight um, by Paul. Um, we went behind his back and reinstated me into the fight and everything. And it was just it was just time to go after that. And, um, and I was training yeah. on my own and everything. And had a fight with um, by training on my own. And, and Tommy saw that and, you know, he got through me a lifeline. And that's where the dieting really got a lot really, serious. Because yeah. um, so Tom, Tommy has a small team. Tommy's very dedicated to his fighters. And... Um, yeah, he doesn't overall. There's not many of you are there. How many? How many's in the team? Uh, the there's team? probably about six of us at the moment. Yeah. Um, a few of the boys have gone on to um, be professionals now, um, so it's freed up a bit more time that Tommy's been able yeah. to share around. Not that he wasn't giving us time, but it's no, that's right. You yeah, know, it's generally who's fighting that gets that that's right one on one towards the fight time. Well, yeah, it has to be structured like that. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, you got forty people in the gym trying to beg for time of. And that's how boxing works, mate. It's a pass of knowledge down. Like, yeah, we can jump on YouTube and everything like that, but there's nothing better than, you know, someone coaching you and telling you. Mate, the thing about our gym, it's, you're not just learning from Tommy or uh, Pete. Mate, I've learned more from the younger kids in there than, mm. not saying I haven't learned from Tommy, but just as much knowledge through these younger kids than what I have from, from Tommy himself, mate. It's, yeah. Um, and you've got to be open to receive information from elderly, younger, mate. It's, yeah, but uh, going back to the, the eating and everything, I had a stigma around that. Um, Tommy said, "Look, seventy five, we're going to get you down. We'll, we'll go to seventy nine first, and we'll get you down." And I had a stigma around. I'd, I'd, last time I was this weight, I was a, I was a junkie. So oh, okay. I was, I was more worried about yeah, what right. other people were going to think and say and say, "Oh, look, he's lost weight. What's he doing? Is he back on the crap or whatever? Mm. Is he up to no good again?" And, and, and that took a long time for me to deal with worrying about what other people thought or what was going on. And, Tommy said to me, he goes, tell him I fucking told you to do it. I was like, all right, sweet. Yeah. After that, the weight just started falling off because I had that mindset of not going, okay, I'm 80 kilos. Oh, I better eat. I don't want to be that little. And yeah, I was more worried about what my body weight was. So, you know, it's, yeah, you carry that stigma around with you. You still yeah, carry that yeah. around. So even I after to work out why I was still holding on to that. And once I dealt with that, which was a day greater, it's um. Everything's flowed and everything's really gone to where it's needed. What was it? More worried about what other people thought of me, mate, yeah. and um, not yeah. being happy with it myself. It's, um, I knew there was that chance there, you know, obviously, um, yeah. brother. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, that's another story. So before you've transferred over and coming in, and, and throughout COVID, um, mate, this was me and you spoke many times over this when it happened. But um, you lost your brother as well in an accident. Um, he got cleaned up off his motorbike. Yep. And, mate, sitting there talking about, I can't even imagine losing my brother or even my father, which you had both done. Um, but there was definitely an option there to go back down that path, wasn't 100%. there? 100%. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine what you were going through. And the, the two, you know, the little voice in your head, the little man in your head going, fuck it, let's just go around from there. And I think this is why I, I love your story so much because I think we just kept sending you a couple of texts or everything like that. Yeah. And your strength to just go, no, and rock up the next day at training and just get pay your ticket, get on the bus and kept going. And that has built into these belts now that, that you're transferring. For it. And I, mate, imagine where you would have been 
if you chose to go the other way instead of 12 months down the track holding on to this 12 months looking at booking yourself back in the rehab I guess yeah mate um, it definitely it, it, I'll always be that it yeah. never, never going to go away it just depends what I, how I choose to do with it I've got an addictive personality whatever I put myself into it's either all or nothing it's, it's no dipping the toes in and and after I lost my brother, there, there was times that I just wanted to escape. I didn't want to feel that pain, but I went back to what I've done in the last three, three and a bit years of what's mm-hmm. kept me clean, and and I just used everything I learned. And what do you do? You either you sink or swim. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided to swim, mate. And once I started swimming, I started to just get up and run again, mate. Instead yeah. of baby crawling and that, so boxing has definitely saved my life. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's um, it's never going to go away, but you know it's still a thought there. You still yeah. get a thought, but it's, it's like you know maybe an ex cigarette smoke. Oh, I can just have one, and I yeah. sometimes feel that. But I always just have to look back and go, well, what, what's the trigger here? What's going on during the day? Is it something in my private life? Is it something in my business or family? Or is it there's, there's always a trigger in there yeah. why we we want something. So. I just check in on my emotions, do a reality check and check in and, and, yeah. and tick my boxes. Yeah, I, mate, I can resonate that 100% with um, me with alcohol as well. Like, stressed out day, go to reach. But I just, I want to say to you as well, while we're here, Pete, your old boy and your brother would not be more fucking proud of where you've come and where you've gone to right now because that wasn't easy. That is a long journey. It's not just the three years or anything like that. That is sound... It's from your twenties to your thirties to making that decision. This is a how old are you now? 42. 40, nearly for forty one. Forty one. Sorry, mate. You're in the you're in the masters. You're in the masters. I'll be there soon. Don't worry. But a twenty one year journey to lead to this good place that you're at now. That's a long fucking journey. Yeah, and mate, it's um from where when I left Paul's, um, you know, I, I wanted this fight. I really mm. wanted to take it. It was from Bellwood. My brother was the motivation to get me up to that point and everything. And I woke up sick on the day away and yeah. couldn't swallow and everything. Everyone was telling me to pull me out. And ego, ego, pride. pride. Wanted to do something for my brother. And yeah. mate, I, I was up the first round and I got dropped in the second round. Sure, yeah. a left hand and mate, I didn't know where I was. Could have yeah. kept going, but it was that life lesson of, of things. Of, but. It's a lesson, that. mate. Yeah, it's, yeah, so it's I decided simple. to not let life knock you down, keep me down, and got yeah. back up and made better going. plans and better dieting and just everything and put it a plan. So that's that's one of your main like your driving forces now is planning everything out. Is yeah, setting short term goals, setting eight week goals. I mean, I suppose all your sort of fight goals will be turned around when when your fight's coming up and, and peaking them. But do you find that's a lot easier? Because that's what we're what I'm trying to build here with with my company at 3AM is I, I've found that if you look too far ahead, you're fucked. Mate, 100%. Everything is just one day, three days, seven days, one week, three weeks, you know, just ticking these little boxes off. And mate, if I said I'm going to be clean for four years' time, mate, I went day to day, I'd say I'd day to day, week to week, month mm. to month, now to year to year, and stay clean. And it's like the fighting, it's set a goal, action it, make a plan. And it's the journey along the way. Like, this, this is the bonus to it, but this is more for the mum. Yeah. You know, like, it's lovely to look at that, but yeah. it's not um, what I, I, I 
was I did it for. Yeah, you know, I did it for my own personal satisfaction of setting the goal and achieving it. And yeah. I know whatever I put my mind to now, I can achieve. That's right. So, um, we were speaking about it, dropping down. When's that? When's that fight coming uh, up? September. We'll then go to Townsville in a few weeks. Um, yeah, but I think we, coach and I, decided to pull the pin on it. Um, yeah, just a bit too soon, maybe. And yeah, for September we're going to go down. Um, my opponent wants a rematch um, in October. Yeah, so I'll, um, I'll be up and down with my weight, mate. But I'll fight anyone anyway. It doesn't bother me. I'll, I'll nah, yeah. oh, no, I know. <laughs> so, so, mate, the next thing. That we're going to get into here. I mean, what a journey it is to lead into this point. You've used all these steps along this point. You've been a guinea pig. You've you've walked the yellow brick road. You've walked the, the, the fucking black brick road. You've done it all. You're jumping into life coaching now. Yeah, so I've um, just almost finished the diploma of uh, life coaching. Um, I'm a qualified uh, NLP practitioner. Um, so it helps with that. It's a neuro-linguistic programming. So helping people change that thought pattern of, you know, like getting into the car, putting the seatbelt on, turning the indicator on. We're like a hard drive. We, we program in some positive ways and obviously in some negative ways. And so it's just in replacing their negative thoughts, setting goals, helping businesses work through um, tasks and problems that they may be hitting the brick road in their business to mm. help them get over the line to where they want to be. Um, Qualified hypno- hypnosis, um, yeah. so conscious hypnosis, um, and level four life coach. So, mate, I just want to give back to people, people that were there for me. I thought I wanted to become a um, drug and alcohol counsellor. Yeah. But it's that same thing of living in the past too much yeah. with it and that. But I do owe my life to these guys, and a lot of the people I have been helping are junkies and that. But yeah. until they, a lot of them don't have that self worth. Um, yeah. You've got to come in willing to, to want to do it. It's um seems to be doing a lot of babysitting for people and, and I've got to change that um, the direction of where I'm going with it. Um, it's just I'm, I'm going well with it, but I keep hitting little forks in the road with the people that I want to help. So, but yeah, life coaching, um, mentoring um, and giving back to people is where I want to be. I want to help kids that not make the same mistakes that I went through and, and go through 20 years of this shit to realise that there's, there's better in life, mate. You could be gone tomorrow. So you got to enjoy each day, and um, yeah, I just want to help people, mate, and give back, mate. For myself, there's no better man to do it, and I'm not bagging anyone out there who's a life coach. But like I said, you've gone through these experiences. There's a lot of them that have done the diploma or done this and haven't lived through what you've lived through, or haven't dealt with with what you dealt with. So for my journey, really resonates with, with you doing life coaching is because I've been a guinea pig with my weight and, and sports and athlete like that. So that's where I'm moving into. That's where I see because I understand being a fat fuck. I understand fucking your not, transformation. Yeah, yeah, it's so not you, been You say that the beginning there, I'll inspire you. You've helped you inspired me from the day that I met you in the gym. Like your persona, the way you, you carry yourself, your energy, like it's contagious, man. You've got to yeah. hang around people that are going to rub off on you. If you hang around builders, they're going to build you up. Yeah. Hang around drainers, mate. They're going to drain you down and drag you down. So yeah. it's you've got to find your tribe and stick with them. That's right. So where do you go from here? What sort of people are you trying to... Is, is that younger generation or what? where are you trying to get to? Um, it's a bit of a mix, mixed bag. Um, ideally, uh, kids just about to leave school. Yeah. But, um, you know, if they're young, wild and free and, and this drug that's out there at the moment with ice, it's... Um, 
luckily I only come in the tail end of it. I obviously dabbled a little bit into it and that, but man, it's, it's dangerous stuff. And these kids are going to be leaving the squad, mm. and they want their teaching them in school and that. But you just hear it different age brackets these days of kids that are on it, and man, it's there was so none of that when we were growing up. You weren't on drugs. There was a couple of guys at school, you know what I mean? But there was now you hear kids going to schoolies or 17, 18 year olds, and mate, they've got drugs in their pocket. They've got everything. Yeah. They've got everything yeah. in their pocket. Yeah. They know all about it. Um, I think that's a prime area for yeah. you to get in. So like, that, absolutely. And obviously, people in business that are struggling with blockages in the road to where they want to get in their business, generally, it's something going on emotionally with them. And, or in their relationship, you know, you keep it pretty simple. It's it's, mm. it's like a car tire, you know. If, if you've got divots in your tire, then it's not going to run smoothly. So generally, for example, if you work on maybe relationship and see what areas are taking up the majority of your life, and we try to just even it up a little bit so yeah. you've got that more of a smoother running tire. So you dive into it, you try and pinpoint it, yeah. and then yeah. work on that yeah. area. And, and life coaching, people think it's me giving them all the answers and telling them everything, but it's me just helping them Realise realise what they realise really true. Yeah. I suppose yeah. with businesses and whatnot where you come in well with there is life coaching, you're in the people industry now. And there's a lot of people, a lot of successful business men and women who just don't know how to deal with their staff either. No, who can right. who cannot like there's a big thing, um, you know, leaders lead by example, um, and communication is everything with it as well. If you don't have that communication and you don't lead by example, your business is going to you might be very good at the top but you won't have anyone responsive under there so I think that's where that position in the middle there would be very very good but I think mate that that 19 like you said that out of school to the 21 year old gap if you can touch a few guys there and and just wean them off that road and go look and get them into these sports or get them into a hobby or get them I always talk about that I mean I want to coach um you know, eventually, like rugby league teams around that age, because yeah. I think that age you're still a sponge, and you're searching for that mentor. 100%. A lot of people don't get it. I was lucky enough to land in with Scotty Parr, um, and he just come back from playing in the NRL, and he was running Sunday, you know, training sessions, and I was same thing, going down the wrong path. Who knows which way I was going? Luckily, he dragged me into this system, which once again trained changed me life. I learned about training. I learned proper rugby league and sent me on the pathway down chasing my dreams but that was by chance you know what I mean There's, there would have been a hundred kids behind me who missed out and gone the other way and are still trying to find their way in life and, and what they're doing so I think yeah Guardian and guys I think, is, sorry, mate, I think yeah. it's something we touched on earlier too you know people coming to at that age could be coming to the end of a career or failed football career or you know, there's yeah. people that get to the end of their career and, and don't know what to do. They've got nothing else. Yeah. You know, I've sort of gone the opposite where I've got boxing now, but these guys, are they, they come out lost. Mm-hmm. You know, They may not have got to where they wanted to with their expectations and, and they failed. So it's probably a prime age where, you know, it's like myself, go down the, the dark roads yeah. or work ways to, to keep going up and, and come back from it. Or you, you know? have that ideology of that's who I am, especially when you're young. You attach yourself to, like we spoke about, you attach yourself to skydiving. I attach myself to, I, Matt, the rugby league player, my career finished. You realise rugby league just moves (laughs) on to the next young 18 superstar and that's it. I I no longer train five, six nights. Where's the reason? What's the reason to keep training? 
and a lot of guys just lose it, okay? And then they hang on to who they were or where they weren't. And I speak about this consistently, about, okay, let's let's hit a point zero. That's now our starting point. Don't worry about what's behind us or who you were. Let's worry about getting our goals in the future. Let's worry about what I can achieve, not what I have achieved. And, and that's the same in the life coaching. That's what's going to help people to keep continuing to set goals and to make these goals achievable. Yeah, you know, and give yourself love and praise along the way. You know, it's the journey. It's not not this that's sitting there that's that I'm proud, most proud of. Like that's yeah. the icing on the cake from it. But there's so many moments along the way that I'm more proud, more of, proud of leading up to yes to this. You know, yeah. and, and they're moments within yourself as well. I've noticed like no one around when I stepped on that scales and it was ninety nine point nine. Man, I had same thing, yeah. emotional, yeah. just. And that was 35 kilos down. That was massive for yeah. me. But then I had to hit point zero again. And all just some something little. Like so much effort has gone into this thing that no one else notices, but you've got to be able to acknowledge those things and not just brush over them or go past. You gotta that you gotta have that, you know, acknowledgement of yes, yeah. I did that. Celebrate your win. Let's go, let's go. Pat yourself on the shoulder each morning and I'm day clean. Yeah. No one knows about it. Whatever. It's just my little fuck yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I'm proud yeah. of it. And you wake up the next day pumped again. Yeah. Let's go again, mate. Yeah. Let's go again. Yeah. And it's that conversation with yourself that really matters. Because, like you said, you can mask it to a lot of people out there how your day was, and, and a lot of people don't give a fuck as well. No. You know what I mean? Mate, I just walk, could just to be able to could walk around with a tape recorder in your top pocket. Hey, mate, how you Chris, but yeah, you know, all right, just just battling where. Now I've got fucking yeah, I'm doing this, doing that, yeah, it works shit, works great, found a struggle, whatever, we're going through this. And actually just be open and honest about it. Like yeah. if I wasn't so open about my journey and that, how would I how am I gonna help change people? Correct. You know, I'm, I'm not ashamed of what I've done. I used to be for a long time where I'm grateful for my struggles now because I found my strengths through it and without yeah. that and being open and wanting to help others and everyone's always gonna have an opinion or judge, but yeah, I'm the only person that's looking at it. So, mate, that you couldn't have said that any better. And for anyone out there who is listening, or you know, and you already know in your gut if you're listening or if you're watching or anything, there's that one thing that's bothering you. you and no one can see it or anything, but you might be thinking about it right now. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed to talk to you, mate. Don't be ashamed to speak it and speak it out loud. And, and make the change. I've just had one of my best mates do exactly the same. Um, rugby league player, Damo Gripsky out there, and he actually took to social media and just said, mate, I've been a shit human this whole time, blah, blah, blah. And, mate, he's on his journey now because he was able to speak it. And it took him, and I got on the phone and spoke to him, it took him a year and a half to be able to say those words, to build into that point uh, of actually acknowledging it and whatnot. A suicide rate I think it's 70% to men to 30% women. That's nuts. So, um, you know, don't be afraid to talk about it. Talk to your mate, talk to somebody, call Lifeline because there's too many good people just taking their own life because they're too ashamed to, That's right. to, to talk about it. Mate, I find a lot, a lot of um, my mates being in bad relationships and they're losing their kids as well. Um, Mrs. won't let them see them or anything like that. I've spoken yeah. to them there and I've just told them, like, it is now. Just play the long game, find a relationship with that woman again and get your kids back in life six months down the track. 
they've called me, mate, they're in. I'm back. I'm yeah. seeing them. And you know what I mean? It's just... Uh, consistent. You've got to have that consistency. Yeah. I've got one, one of my daughters and was with my ex from when with drugs and everything. Yeah. She's back living with me full time. She's nine years old. She wants to live with dad. She's been yeah. with me for six months. And I've got two of my girls with me full time from my past. Yeah. So it's, I had to do the work to be able to do that. Yeah. Though, so... Yeah. yeah, just trust in the process. And, and like you said, those, because a lot of those suicides that we're talking about, Ray, do come from just total heartache and total pain that you think will not go away or it cannot change, but it, it definitely can. And um, yeah, definitely. I think finding the right person to speak to is very important as well because you might, like Damo had it, he bought his out on social media. Yeah, that's fine. But you might take you a year to speak it to someone and if it falls on deaf ears or if it goes to the wrong person and someone or the person, it doesn't go to the wrong person, but they don't know how to deal with it or they're not equipped to deal with what you're telling them, um, you know, it might bite that moment or that area might bypass you over and it might take you another year or a year and a half or longer or never to get back to that moment again. So this is where I... Once again, your life coach from that. Um, find the right person to do it. To do it. If it's your best mate and you know you can talk to your best mate like that, sweet. If it's your mum, no, you do. If not, you know, find you. I'm sure you'll be picking up on the phone. Find life. Find a reason to make that call and just make that first conversation. And that's the first step. 100%. And then you grow from there. So. It's, uh, it's got to be get uncomfortable. Be yeah, comfortable. You got to let that pride down. You got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, you got to go through that that thing. And I've I've said it many times. When you think you're at rock bottom, um, you usually got another meter to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you think it were it goes down before yeah. it goes back up. Yeah. So, uh, um, lastly but not least, how do people find you? How do they? Um, you can find me under Jimmy Lupo um, on Facebook. That's uh, L U W P O. Flip me a message on there. I can send you whatever information you want. Um, my life coaching, yeah. boxing, training, whatever, diet planning. Same stuff as Maddie, mate. You know, without this guy, give me an opportunity to jump on and share my journey. It's um, mm. it's want to help impact others. That's right. You know, it's, um, I'm fortunate to have my life impacted on me for the positivity. And Maddie has been my older brother for five years. Um, yeah. Because of my drugs and everything, and my bad choices of words and everything and that relationship's repaired itself and we've got that closer than ever it's just you've got to put in the work yeah. show up each day you're going to go backwards to go forwards it's okay just don't be afraid if you, when you share your wins share your losses yeah you know it's, um, in fact more losses than wins but wins. share your life yeah. Yeah. yeah don't don't we've got one life let's yeah. get it done yeah, that's, that's right it. one of my biggest yeah. fears is not getting enough done. That's exactly right. Now that yeah. and you realise that, I realise that now because I feel like I've wasted a fuckload of time back in in addiction time of yeah, just being off my head. Like yeah. probably had some really good times, but I can't remember them all. No. Like, but it's that's definitely cost me more than it's worth. And yeah. this um, we'll go again soon. We'll get try and get another. But we won't try. We're going to get another belt and try and get another division. So we'll have three different divisions and. Fucking hell, watch out. How's that for a trophy room? Mate, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for coming on. And thank you for being open and honest um, in every avenue of it. Um, 
if you're just listening here, I'll put all Jimmy's social medias on the bottom, wherever we're casting it. Look, where, where's it Spain. going out of the show here? Spain. Uh, yeah. Spain. <laughs> um, on the bottom of the Spotify, YouTube, of course, and uh, Apple Podcasts, and you'll be on all, all my social medias, which is 3am Maddie Menion 365. So, all right, guys. Thanks, heaps. Thanks, See you right. soon. Wow, that was the Any Given Chance podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Now, if you want to see some more action, head over to our socials and give us a like, share, subscribe. We're on YouTube at the Any Given Chance podcast and on Instagram and TikTok at Any Given Chance. And if you can hit share and subscribe, much appreciated as we grow. Plus, we're always looking for new guests. So if you know someone in the midst of a battling good little bit of adversity or someone who's been successful, message us direct. We always check out inbox. And of course, if you want to check out old episodes, repurposed ones, you can jump over to our website, which is anygivenchancepodcast.org. Thanks for joining us once again. I'm your host, 3AM365, Matty Menion. No days off, no excuses, and I can't wait to catch you on the next one.